0: Hey everybody this is nate smoyer and you're listening to the tech nest podcast this is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy sell and invest in real estate if you've got an interest in real estate and technology stick around you're in the right place All right. We've got a great show here for you today. We've got Chris Rising of Rising Realty Partners. And it's a totally different perspective than what we usually do. Usually we have a software provider, someone who's building tech, creating tech, or an app or a new way of buying or selling real estate. Today we're talking to someone who owns and operates real estate, has experience building real estate. And the purpose of this show is to talk about the role real estate is playing in his business. And so Chris has incredible experience. They've built an internet service provider to better service clients. They're looking at how do they make commercial office space more like the home environment, like making you feel relaxed and comfortable. Even talking through how do we make the the lobbies and the brands feel more like hotels and following the paths of hotels. Uh, we get into a little bit of like futurism, talking about what's coming down the pipe, and what's giving those uh, companies the advantage. This is really important for anyone who's going to be playing in the commercial real estate tech space, because you're hearing from you're hearing directly from your ideal client, someone who's managing and operating a lot of property from California up to Washington, out to Colorado, and more. So, uh, without further ado, let's jump into the show. Well, hey, Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you very much, Nate. Pleasure to be
0: here. Yeah, I'm glad we're getting a chance to connect. It is the busy holiday season. Uh, You and I are doing the traveling setup here. Um, But uh, as always, I want to get the show started right. Uh, Please go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do.
1: Thanks. I'm Chris Rising. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Rising Realty Partners. Rising Realty Partners is a vertically integrated company, uh, real estate development and operator, based in downtown Los Angeles. We're about 5 million square feet. Uh, we own from Denver to Southern California. We really focus on about nine markets. Uh, five of those are in California, the five major ones. So San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley, LA, Orange County, and San Diego. And then we focus on Denver, Salt Lake, Seattle, and Portland. And our our main focus is kind of urban and what I call sub So if you're from I don't know Southern California, I think of like downtown LA, and then the suburban being El Segundo or Pasadena. So, uh, urban areas that are attached to major metropolis. Um, our focus is office mixed use. So that mixed use could include hotel and multifamily or retail. And uh, as I said earlier, we're, we're very focused on adaptive reuse. We're not. We have a long career, uh, our long history with our company, and especially with my father of ground up development. However, our focus now is adapter reuse, finding buildings in major CBDs, central business districts that are about 30, 40, 50% leased, that are aged, that need their infrastructure redone, need to have uh, lead paint or asbestos removed. So we've done a lot in historic mm-hmm. and really trying to create, we were the really the first to do creative office in downtown, in Los Angeles, specifically in downtown. I don't, not all of our projects are necessarily historic projects, but they really are meant to take a really well-located building and bring it back to life Mm -hmm. and to do it. So it's a 21st century infrastructure. Um, So technology plays a big role in everything we do. I mean, uh, if it wasn't for the investments in technology we made, when we uh, started the company, my father and I in 2011, we couldn't be doing what we're doing, but uh, technology drives the impact uh, things that strategies that we have around uh, reducing the, Uh, carbon footprint of a building around the health and wellness and and some of the social impact stuff that we do. So that's a brief description.
0: (laughs) There's so much to unpack in there. Uh, So this is the real estate and tech show. And we almost, you know, I I, I tend to steer first tech playing into real estate. But today, obviously, it's a little bit different because we're not talking about your software product or your tech product. We're talking about, you know, your, your, actually owning and operating the real estate, finding the improved or the, the alternate uses of, of buildings. Uh, so this is gonna be fun because obviously now, you know, for all the tech vendors out there who are trying to get to you, they're trying to reach mm-hmm. you to solve your pain points. Now they get to hear firsthand some of those pain points. Let's let's back up a little bit though. First, you kind of grew up around real estate.
1: That I did. You know, my father, uh, I like to joke uh, with him. He was in 1970 was the president of Coto de Caza. Now, for those who don't quite know what Coto de Caza, is, it's a. It was one of the Spanish land grant sites. It, it, it uh, came about to uh, so my father getting involved because it was part of the Pennsylvania Railroad bankruptcy. But I blame him today for the Housewives of Orange County because he hadn't. If he hadn't, <laughs> done, if he hadn't done the water deal that allowed the development, they'd never have the Housewives of Orange County because it all takes place in Coto de Caza.
0: Wow, <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, so then you you've had a chance to see then. You know, because I'm not going to try and put a number of years on it. You still look like a young guy. So I'm not going to try and take <laughs> you here. But you've had a chance to see a lot of changes over the years. And uh, well, from the distance, but also firsthand.
1: Yep. Well, I, I, will, I, I don't mind saying I'm 50 years old. I've been in the business for about 30 years, uh, 25 years. Um, but I, I've been in the real estate business so long. I remember early, early in my career when I'd show up to a conference room and there would be ashtrays cigarettes and cigars for the meeting. So that's how far back I go, way before email.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so this is going to set us up, and I just, that's what I want to do. I want to first set us up for the, the, the perspective here, because, you know, especially from someone who's, you, you've so-called done it the old school way. You've seen it done the old school way. You've done it the old school way. And here you are talking about why, you know, basically why your company is succeeding is you're leading, like you're seeing the advantages in the tech and this is sometimes where I, I hear, like, you have the, the new age and, and, you know, on the cutting edge saying there's a better way to do it. And then you have some who will insist, no, we've been doing it like this for 40 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever. It mm-hmm. works. There's no need to change. And so I, I, while this is a one-sided debate, I, I'm okay with that because that's the point of this show. <laughs> but so this will be cool. Well, so go ahead. Go ahead. Well,
1: I, I want you to know I'm a very proud Jet Xer and I proudly will wear to the office my t-shirt that says okay boomer um because <laughs> I, I get so i can't tell you, i go to t- certain states in this uh, in this country uh texas i go to wall street and the cynicism and just the overall negativity i mean it, it sounds a lot like our president talking about low flow toilets or uh <laughs> not wanting or you know bring back the incandescent light but uh um you know we Our company is very focused on what technology is doing to drive value. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know how... You know, I started having to fight against people and say what we were doing was philanthropy or uh, it was just new wavy and it only would work in California. But I think the thing that crystallizes why what we're doing and what some of our competitors are doing uh, makes sense is when Amazon produced their RFP to 50 cities. And if you looked at what was in it, it was things around... Uh, carbon reductions. It was things about technology and bandwidth and fiber uh, availability of that. It was around uh, things around health and wellness. So when the major that are that are dominating global real estate, the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples are demanding this, I don't think what we're talking about is foo-foo. And I think what we say all the time is impact creates alpha. And impact to me includes all these technology strategies
0: oh that's that's good well let, let, let's jump into that so you you, you kind of laid it out you've got uh property throughout California out to Colorado. is that kind of what it where
1: it Colorado yes yeah we're uh, I was on a fundraising call today I hadn't thought about this but the funder said wow you're in
0: all the pot states <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay yeah I didn't thought I didn't thought about this hey
0: I mean together. there might be something there you didn't realize there's a trend <laughs> line that, that coincides
1: <laughs> we don't do cannabis but I guess we' We have an audience that that uh, approved it in those states as well, so yeah, so we're up in the Seattle area and we're in Portland and Denver Salt Lake, and then California
0: okay, so in these cities so these are some of the these are some of the most pr- more progressive cities and I'm not talking politics here I'm talking about adoptions of hey, new ways of trying to plan cities build things, try out new technologies that's what I see coming from some of these cities. what are some of the the you know and 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 your properties are primarily in that commercial vein, whether it may be multifamily or have a hotel or something along those lines or office you know it's all in the commercial vein. What are some of the tech that you're you're leveraging to both mm-hmm. give you an upper hand uh, in your own business you know so that's like you know that that's giving you greater returns so you know your investors are happier. but then also like what are what are some of the things that you see long term are making you more appealing? to the cities you're working with. Because again, the cities we just kind of rattled off are some of the more progressive ones. And from the political side, that makes it difficult to build mm-hmm. or change buildings or to mm-hmm. make adaptations. So you're, you're having to work both sides. And I, I hear that as yep. extremely challenging.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say first, our focus on adaptive reuse gets us out of some of the nimbyism. And not, you know, we my, my father did, uh, when he was chairman and CEO, of tell did Mission Bay. So if you go to San Francisco, you go where the giants park is exactly right. Where the new warriors park is. They yeah. built all of that. They entitled wow. it. They built it. There's a street named after them there, but this iteration of rising, we don't, we we're not doing ground up development. Got it. And, um, it's just, I feel like if you really care about the climate, kind of the worst thing you can do is build a new building. Cause if you think about all the trucks and the cement and the steel, mm-hmm. but also because we have these great, we have this great, uh, infrastructure in our cities and we have uh, buildings that are hundreds of years are hundred years old or less that could be repurposed and adapted that's that's where we focus but what I say a lot is we're only able to do this because of what technology has brought to the table when yeah. we started the company as I said, my dad ran two public companies and I was at a public company with him, and we've done a lot in real estate over the years but in 2011 2012 when we started this company I give my dad dad who's 78 now a lot of credit He said, Chris let's get a blank piece of paper, and let's pretend we're Gerald Hines, you know, Hines, the largest developer in the world. How would he start a company in 2011? And we both said it's got to have a backbone of technology. So when we started this company, it was paperless. When we started this company, it was based on Google. I mean, we really, you look at our space, we look like a tech startup. Everything we do is is around technology. And because of that, we're able to do things, whether it's providing a customer experience, or dealing with the infrastructure we're building that a lot of the owners can't do. And really if you're a multi-generational older owner who hasn't invested in your properties, you can't do it all. You know, I see the Heinz and I see the, uh, 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 the Brookfields of the world. They're, they're competing in this tech stuff in a very big way, but that's not most of the real estate market. You know, most of the real estate market in these cities are, are two or three generations old, or it was a business who owned it. And so that's the opportunity for us. Um, but let's, let's go back to when I said we started this company on technology. One of the first things that we did was we bought a project in downtown Los Angeles called it was called Pacific Mutual Life Insurance Building. It was a B-minus building that great, great history. There's really three buildings to it. There was a 1908 building. And this is how history works, right? So in 1906, Pac Life almost blew up as a company because they had the earthquake in San Francisco. Mm. and But for a young guy running up there to grab the securities out of the safe, they never would have survived. And the board of directors met and they said, okay, we've got to build an edifice for ourselves now. It's not something that can never come down in a place that doesn't have earthquakes. So they chose downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> 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 so they didn't quite know. But they built this 1908 building. And then in 1922, they built a beautiful 12-story Beaux-Arts building. And then in 27, they built the first underground parking garage. And when we bought it, they were all put together. It was about 320,000 feet. Uh, and when and it was about 50% leased, well, but one of the first things we did was start to tear out the asbestos and lead paint. Oof. Um, uh, and, and, and we were, that was okay. It's, 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 it's an issue to do, but we're pretty good at it. But in doing all this stuff, we started, we, we didn't change how we operated buildings from when we were at McGuire properties or at Catullus. And we got a call from one of our biggest tenants uh, called American business bank. And they were screaming saying, I don't know what you guys did when you were moving things out, but our internet doesn't work, and we're a bank and we can't operate. And I took the approach of, well, great, call AT and T or Verizon. What do I have to do with that?
0: Right. And then I, then
1: I went, but then I was like, wait, I can't do that. We're going to be different. We're going to do our customer service different. Hmm. So what we learned was number one, they were on a DSL line in two thousand two, two thousand twelve, and that somebody from AT and T had come into the building and just moved things. And, and, and didn't even tell them. So we said, wait, this doesn't work. Mm. We're going to take over the risers. And then we said, you know, we got to have a better option. We're building out spec suites. Someone's going to come to us. and want to lease the space. What are we going to do? And I, had a, I have a partner. Uh, I have, someone who works for me is now a partner. Um, who said, let's start an ISP, an internet service provider. It's not that hard. We started <laughs> this ISP. We brought it in. Uh, we, you know, leased it. AT&T and Verizon. They have all this stuff in the street. There's all this dark fiber. And then we brought into the building. And then this person and my partner, Mark Gittleman, uh, in our, we, car, we create a business called 5 5 Telecom. And what we do is in all of our buildings, we do vertical and horizontal runs of fiber. And then we, he, he was pretty good at what he did. And we have IP around this. We have these Wi-Fi systems now um, in our buildings that allow people to be connected at the fastest speeds. I mean, we're not trying to throttle anybody like at and and Verizon. You want 500 up and down, we can give you 500. We can do whatever you want. And then the Wi-Fi allows us to do this connect, we have a copyrighted term called connected square footage. So you can be a 2,000 square foot tenant in one of our buildings and work in the park across the street on an encrypted network, whether you're a bank, you're you're a law firm, you're a accounting firm, you can work in our restaurants. And uh, so that was was a game changer for us. And it led to us feeling that our lobbies should be like hotel lobbies, Because if you can work there, you know, why not take some part of your day and work there? So you go to a lot of our lobbies now and they have coffee shops, they have coffee kiosks, you can smell coffee. It's music like you're in an Ace Hotel or something. And we really encourage people this connected store footage. And then you think about it, because we did that fiber, we're able to do things with our building management systems. And we partner with people like Carbon Lighthouse. I don't know if you have Carbon Lighthouse, but they come in. We
0: just had Carbon Lighthouse on the show. Oh, well, I'm
1: proud to be associated with them, proud to be on our advisory board. But be, if we hadn't have done these things in our technology, their technology wouldn't work. So by doing the fiber, they're able to wow, monitor wow. Every, everything in our building. So that's how we get to where we're at. So it's a very long-winded way to say that, you know, I would give my dad a lot of credit that a guy at the time who was in his late 60s said, you know what, I may not totally understand what we're doing, but I see where the world's going. Let's do this together. And, um, and and that led to so many more things because mm-hmm. uh, when a, if you think about all the tech companies that we've attracted, one of the first things they talk about is, well, you know, what's our what's our fiber connectivity? What's our speed? So um, mm-hmm. we can really win business. Now it's getting to the point where I'd say is we just, I don't know if we can win it as much because like 5x5 five has five now grown into a third-party company. Uh, some of our competitors use it. Um, so, but what I say about it is, we may not be winning business the way we were eight years ago or five years ago, but we're not losing it. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, because connectivity is such a big thing. And um,
0: yeah. there's, so much, there's so much in that because first off, you know, uh, hats off to you guys taking a customer centric approach. Um, customer centricity is one of our values at Avail. So I directly connect and, and relate to that. But some of the things you were just talking about, like it's a total different perspective to look at, the building—it's not just a place where people want to show up and put a cubicle, and then you know everyone files in. You know, there's other things to consider, and yeah, internet is a big problem. Just because the provider's plugged into the building doesn't mean the internet gets through the building. Number one, that's exactly right.
1: <laughs> and, and you know, AT and T, Verizon are, are single customer focused companies. So unless you can prove to them that they're going to win a couple accounts, they're not motivated to even think about investing. In the fiber infrastructure, that's why our our focus is about leasing space. It's not about getting an individual customer, and it's yeah. a very different viewpoint.
0: No, I, I think it's it's so cool. So so then, what are some of the biggest challenges? Then, like obviously, you, you know, you, you know, okay, one of them is you had to start a whole separate company
1: yeah, <laughs> to that's scary. get
0: that competitive advantage over uh, others and to win some of that business because you're taking on buildings you mentioned fifty percent vacancy. That's scary. I mean, yeah, I'm not doing it to the team you guys are doing, but I wouldn't do that with a fourplex. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't have the stomach for that uh, yet. I haven't built up that. But you know, what, what are some of the challenges in having a company that's based, your value is based off the physical space you manage, yet you're seeing that tech adoption is the way forward?
1: Well, I'll tell you some of the experiences that, that we've had that I've learned from, well, we got lucky on the 5 by 5 on the ISP because it worked out of the gate. Uh, it, it worked out of the gate mainly because people, any other option than AT&T and Verizon, if you were a business, was a good <sighs> option. But I, I saw how hard it was and the startup cost for it. Now we've got our cost much more in line and it's, it's a real business that's going. So when I, the second thing we did after we did the uh, um, 5x5 was I said, okay, let's do some tech investing and see if we can get people to come into our space. That has proven to be much more difficult than I, than I had hoped. And I've made a, a lot of investments that, that were very small investments, but they were early on. And I said, okay, and you can use our buildings as kind of a test ground. And that hadn't worked out as quite as well as I'd like. And so now we're trying to be a little more selective. Mm. But if there's a quality technology that really has somewhat, it's beyond just kind of angel and seed, we will use our buildings as test cases. And I'd say that to your audience. I mean, I can, I can give you a, a, a few, but uh, Carbon Lighthouse would be the... Uh, I, I found them, they found me when they were just getting a little bit more mature. So it wasn't that much of a risk whether they could execute or not. Yeah. But their business model was was a little bit different than most people. And you know I think uh, Brendan and the team there is fantastic and they've really been helpful. We've just started them out in 2020 in another building. We own a data center, and so I think they're going to be very helpful. But I would say this: there, there are some problems that have to be solved, and I still don't see a great technology. One is how do you make the customer experience in a building like it is at their home or their apartment? So, for instance, like this sounds kind of silly, but you know people want to be able to get their Doordash or Grubhub up in their office space, and that sounds like it should be easy, but it's not easy when you think about, especially in CBDs, the cost of parking. Mm-hmm. and the time it takes for someone to bring food and park. You mm-hmm. think about the security issues we have to have. I mean, are we really going to let someone carrying a $15 lunch just kind of scroll through security and go up into an office?
0: Just because they got a um, uniform, letting them on in.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so there are ch- nobody has come up with a, a something uh, that I think really works from a software customer interaction. And I was really hoping that one of the things that was going to be a positive light out of WeWork was that they had some great tech about how to manage all these people who were leasing desks um and then i read the article that that in 2014 or something they hired a 16 year old high school dropout to run all their tech and, and none of their tech works so i was a little oh. disappointed to read that <laughs> but uh somebody's going to figure it out um that and then we want to be we like we say all the time we uh, we want to be the test case for you and and we are testing something that we like. It's a group out of Australia that has pretty interesting for that customer interaction. Um, and then uh, basically what there's a guy in Southern California named Rick Caruso who I greatly respect. who has got the Americana and he's got the Grove. And he talks all about the time in the retail, retail that's working versus that's not is if you're not making people's lives easier and then, then the retail is not going to work because if they, they're not going to get in the car and go to a retail if it's not easy. No. And I'd say the same thing. We're getting this, that point about office. If you make it so hard, uh, which makes me think, you know, that the the office experience is going to fundamentally change over the next 10 years. Now, if, if Apple and Google and Facebook stopped building campuses, I'd be very worried about the office business. I don't see that happening. Mm. But what I do see happening is these are places where people have to come and have, uh, you know companies are made up of people. you got to be able to work together. It has to be a creative environment. And you have to like, throw out some of that boomer mentality that like, it really matters what time you showed up, you know, or that you drove an hour and a half just to be there in person. You have to have times to meet. you have to have central places to be, but I think the days of, of, of big uh, office tenants are kind of going away. I think mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be smaller relative to their overall size, and they're going to have cool. connectivity and use technology in a way to create efficiencies. So when I'm talking to anybody in the technology space, you got to make people's lives easier. Whether that's you're you're lowering my operating expenses, you're making my te- you're allowing my tenants to communicate in ways they hadn't before. You're uh, you're pr- providing an an experience that people can that is unique because they can only get there at, in that office space. So we've gotten this whole technology. I really started early. I was a big jump into the to the blockchain <laughs> uh, but, uh, now I'm learning to be a little more patient with it all um but it's hard because the, the, the millennials and the gen, especially the gen zers don't have much patience for the old way of thinking and the old way of doing things and um I, I I've been running if you want to ask me another question but I was going to go into one other story that I think
0: Cushman yeah yeah has. yeah
1: yeah so when I was uh younger in the business in my late 20s early 30s I worked for a gentleman named John Cushman who John Cushman is the grandson and the grandnephew of the Cushman and Wakefield. Mm-hmm. And John worked there forever. And then he started his own company, Realty. That's where I worked with him. And then we merged back with him. But I'll tell you, there's no better leasing broker than John Cushman in his day. I mean, he's amazing. But let me tell you, here's the stark difference. When I started working with John, his relationships came through his boards, through his YPO, through Boy Scouts. And we would go meet the CEO of uh, Merrill Lynch or you name the oil company. And I'd be there carrying this briefcase and we put together a market tour. And it would be John, the CEO, and me. And that would be it. Maybe there's a CFO. And I could tell you that that office requirement was gonna go to one of three places. Near the CEO's home, their town club, or their country club. And the amount of time that they would joke about, oh, where are we gonna put those people, blah, blah, blah. I will tell you today, it's a fundamentally different experience. Office space today is a recruiting tool. It's what people use to differentiate themselves. It's almost as important, if not equally important, as how much someone's getting paid or what their benefits package is. And when we do tours today, it's five to 10 people. It's almost always uh, uh, women and men, and it's almost always around HR. And when you look at office from that perspective, it's radically different. So the old so, ways of doing just don't work.
0: I, I, I hate to interrupt you, but it's, you're so right. So Hunter Walk, little alone name in the, the VC world, uh, he, he shared out a tweet that I captured the other day. Like This is like five days ago or something like that. I don't even know. And apparently in the early days, Airbnb started paying professional photographers um, taking photographs of the office. So they, they started like what you're talking about, like leveraging yeah. the office as a recruiting tool. They started taking professional photo- photographs of the office just to give it that vibe that they were trying yeah. to attract. It hadn't, it hadn't been there yet. Like the the cool factor wasn't there yet. And they were doing exactly what you're talking about. And you know, it, it's one thing if you were just saying this, like spouting it off, but I mean, you you're, 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 you're saying what's already been proven to be true. Like, yeah. It's already worked. Yeah. Like, if, if I can, as a real estate agent, attract more showings by having good photographs, why can't a, an office yeah. or a company yeah. who puts that little bit more into their space where I'm going to spend at least a third of my life throughout Monday through Friday yeah. <laughs> to make yeah. it more fun or enjoyable or relaxing or less anxious you know, and stressful? Like, Well, that's, yeah, that's a powerful recruiting and- tool. And if you
1: think about how, how how does an employer make their life easier for their employees, what are the things we work on how do how do we get instacart delivered to if you drive a car it can be put in your car at your office space so you don't have to worry about it coming to your home or your Amazon packages or 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 if they your dry cleaning you know the thing about it, I, I get a lot of pushback from equity sources saying why does everybody have to have a gym and lockers and showers and I'm like because we're trying to make people's lives easier mm, you, you used that. to you, it used to be okay saying, "Hey, look, I got to get in my car, I got to drive to the shopping mall, and I'll do my shopping mall. And then I got to <laughs> drive to my office, and I'll work there. And then the way home, I'll drive and pick up my dry and then I'll drive home." Well, in any major city today, you just—I just, I it just takes so two, three hours.
0: long. It takes so long. You can't do it. I've never lived in a center city like I am. I am now in Chicago, and so like all a lot of the issues I've had the pleasure of talking with people about, I actually get to now experience the pains like package delivery. Yeah. We have a package delivery room that's also the dry cleaners. And those yeah. the, the, the the women who run that, I mean they're awesome, but they are so overwhelmed with packages yeah. everywhere. they have nowhere to put them and it's not even we're talking about we're we're still in the early days. Like I don't have I haven't even adopted a monthly subscription from Amazon, you know, for all my basic essentials and things like that. So <laughs> I mean, just the, the number of other people. I mean, we get a 50-pound bag of food delivered for my dog every time we order. Yeah. So it's it's just, you know, buildings weren't set up to think through the logistics and how people were going to leverage new services uh, and, and tech in the, in the way that they are right now. So uh, a lot of things, what you're saying, apply, I think, both, not just to residential, but to offices. Like, And in a lawyer who does that, for people, I mean, then once you're in, you have to think, like, man, could I really match this somewhere else? But I, that's exactly right. Am I really that's exactly going right to risk losing this? And that's where I think the real value comes in is if it helps with employee retention. That's where mm. you get compounding effects because, you know, there's just so much that uh, there's so much value in that. Um, I, I would love to know, like, what do you think? Uh, from from your perspective and from the buildings you're you're running, you, you brought up you know the the food delivery. What are some other opportunities you feel that are being overlooked? You know specifically in the commercial real estate space um, that yeah. tech, you know those who are either running tech companies or even um, the investors who are are the ones supplying the capital to get that new tech up off the ground. What what are some opportunities that are either being overlooked or being uh, under looked or you know, like yeah. underappreciated.
1: Well, I, I, I continually go back to the home experience because the way t- uh, tech is unfolded in people's homes, uh, there's natural parallel to what people want in the office. And mm-hmm. I'll give you one example. <clears throat> um, the way H- uh, the HVAC systems in most office buildings have worked traditionally, you had to, if it's a really old building, you either turn the whole building on or you turn the whole building off, right? The air and the heat's going to, in the newer buildings, you do it by floor. Well, what, um, and then in the newer, newer buildings, you can do it by zones. Mm-hmm. But what people really want is that app in the office space. And there's one out there called Comfy that I, that I like. But but more and more, they want to know that, hey, I'm a little bit cold in this 10-foot radius that I'm in. How do, how do I turn up the heat for that 10 feet? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, that technology is coming. It's not perfected yet. But just, I was, when people ask me this, when I go to BC stuff and I'm like, just think about what are the things you've already become accustomed to? And I can point to Google Maps as one of those. Um, the other is the food. you I know, mean, how come I, how come I can't get my food here? Um, one of the other ones is in the office buildings. Traditionally, uh, I had, I had a tenant who I really respect really. Um, it was, her name is Sophia Amorosa and she started nasty gal, but, uh, she made really good with that. And then, Private equity took it over and it kind of imploded. She's now just sold girl boss. I was gonna say, they, uh, did she
0: just sell? She's selling yes. girl boss, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Like six hundred million she, or something like that. I, no, I don't know what the number
1: was. I don't think it was that. I don't think it oh, was that high. That seems really high. Yeah, it, was yeah,
0: high. Yeah. it was high. It was yeah. a big number. Regardless. I
1: think she <laughs> would love. She would love that. But when, when she was our tenant, well, she did a couple things. Number one, she freed me from the boomers and my suit and tie. I mean. Up until Sophia, I wore the navy blue suit, the white shirt, the tie. That's what you did, right? That's how you impressed the boomers. And when we bought a building where she was a subtenant, I walk in and the first thing she says to me is, I don't meet with white guys in dark suits. What are you, with the FBI? And I'm like, cool okay. So <laughs> she she got me into my more casual clothes. But one of the things she said to me, they were a 10,000 square foot ten- subtenant. I wanted to make them a 60,000 square foot tenant. But she said, you know, why is it you, you tell me when my people should work? I said, what are you talking about? You can work whenever you want. She goes, no, no, no. You have a lease that says that if people are working before 8 a.m. or after 6 p.m., you charge me $150 an hour for air. I'm like, yeah, well, that's how everybody in the business does it. She goes, I don't want to do that. My people come at 10 in the morning. They leave at 10 at night. Why should, I, why should you dictate my working hours? Mm. And I thought it was a great point. And so we figured out a way where we could do her zone so that she would get charged. So we, you know, like we can't have our, our air running 24 hours a day because you're the only tenant here. So you have there's a certain amount of time you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And we just worked it out with her. She did another thing, with, which I'm grateful for her. She, she, she told me all about how she's, uh, health and wellness was important to her employees. And she gave me a bunch of research on health and wellness. And she wanted to be able to have dogs at work. I thought, dogs at work, that's a great idea. And so, because of that, we came up with a dog license. We did this. We made it into this community event, and and we had the one yip rule: if they scared somebody, the dog couldn't come back. But (laughs) but but she really pushed us towards how do you create community? How do you create community? So what we would do is we'd have this uh, once a year event where we get everyone to bring their dogs, take their pictures with the dogs, and we started raising money around pet issues. And um, and what I found was I, I think of the old Seinfeld where Kramer couldn't stand it the people would get in the elevator and they wouldn't talk to each other. And I feel that's how like office buildings are. And so what can we do to break through that and the bring your dog to work day was one thing to do mm-hmm. because now, as we said earlier, you know, these are team decisions. So when someone's going to leave your building, if they feel like they're a part of a community, there's a lot, there's a lot less chance they're going to move to a new building. So uh, these are all things that have come out of it, but none of this would be possible without technology. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think about it every time I walk into a building, especially when I'm out fundraising and they make me sign in with a piece of paper on something. I'm like, does anybody ever check this? I mean, if you're relying on that technology,
0: woo, no, uh, no. Do, do you, do you use a sign in system? Do you have one you built yourself? Yeah, we,
1: no, we don't do, we've stopped the building ourselves stuff. We use Envoy. We really like Envoy. Envoy. Yeah.
0: Everyone uses Envoy. I mean, yeah. I keep yeah. running into it every building. So yeah. yeah. What are some of the other um, you know tools in your stack that you're willing to share that so people can get an idea of, hey, if you're, I'm running big office buildings or yeah. for the vendors that are listening too, to get an idea of like what what your stack is looking like?
1: Well, in the property operations side, you, you really have, there's maybe there's more, but there's really two options between Yardi and uh, MRI. We tend to use Yardi for everything that we can. We have some LP partners who like MRI. Um but we like Yardy because things like VTS view the space. Um, they yep. they fit into Yardy very well. Mm-hmm. So the way we run our company is we use Yardy as as property management and investment management. We use VTS for our leasing. We use Asana because we have a no email rule inside internally. And now, if you're on an email with an outside person, that's that's okay.
0: Wait, but pump the brakes emailed. here. You have a no yeah. email rule internally.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people I know like Slack. I think Slack's noise, but um, it just creates more noise. Nothing against the people in Slack, good, all that. We just don't use it. But what our view, what I, we have a policy that if, if you were going to send an email to another rising employee, you can't do that. It all has to be within Asana. And if you're working on a project, there can be no email interaction. It Has to be within Asana because you can't track email. You know the problem I have with email. It's just it's always somebody else's to do list, right? If I open my email, it's all these people who want
0: me to, to do something. <laughs> It's me so, giving you work to do. It's not you doing <laughs> yeah. the work you need to do. That's right. Exactly. So that is C- true. That is us, true.
1: Within Asana, and then we're also a G uh, Gmail or G Suite based business. So yep. we yep. use we we use Copper uh, as well. Um, what I've is Copper? So, copper is a CRM. Uh, okay. So it, it integrates with your G Suite, and that's what we use for our fundraising. I have found a new that's uh, not that new. You may have heard of it, but because I do have a lot of email that I get that but we try to keep that from outside sources. I don't know if you've found superhuman yet. Have you used superhuman? I
0: keep, no, but like for the last few weeks, I keep seeing people talking about it. and I don't know why, like suddenly I'm seeing people talk about the superhuman. I mean, I'm not into the email tech space very much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I try to stay out of everything. I don't have to know. Uh, Real estate's enough, but yeah, I keep hearing a lot about this.
1: Yeah, well, these are all things that we use for, because I'm just trying to get efficient. And I'm trying to take my life back, and mm. I, I find that if I use the Apple Mail app, well, I can't, I can't schedule that email to come back. Well, Apple time. Mail is
0: garbage, so I'll yeah. just call record saying that.
1: Yeah, and Google is fine. I get it, but I, but I do, I do see some. They're, they're always like six months behind, so maybe they'll catch up. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, but Superhuman is a great tool. But on, here's the bottom line: is that you and I are doing something that right now that is like. Right out of the jetsons, you're at a you're at a place in Northern Washington where you say you didn't think the fiber was all that good. I'm in my car pulled <laughs> over in Pasadena, California in the rain. I'm on my iPad, and we're doing a zoom call. that's right. You now if if anybody doesn't think that this interaction isn't going to change the way office space or retail or hotel, then they're just missing the whole thing. They're just mm-hmm. and the world's going to pass them by. And, you know, I think it's going to continue to lead to big problems in our society if we're not adjusting to this quickly. And, and so that's what we try to do in office and retail. And that's one of the technology uh, I, we use.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I mean, it's going to be hard for you to answer, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you'll have a clear answer. But, you know, as you're moving forward, I mean, we've had so many changes already in how uh, people expect to be able to do business. And obviously how you're looking at that as what are my opportunities to better serve people? Um, we talked about before the show, even um, about Jouar Poleg's book, and he's been on the show. Mm-hmm. One of the things he outlines very early on in the book is as yields become tighter, you ha- uh, many businesses are moving into more of an active approach than a passive approach to increase the returns on their buildings and properties. Mm-hmm. So what, is, what are you guys planning on doing um, moving forward? So you've already seen the writing on the wall. Technology is going to help give you the edge. Being active is going to help give you the edge. What are you going to continue doing or do differently moving, you know, into the next five, 10 years that's going to set yeah. rising apart from others?
1: Well, that's a, it's a good question. Virtual drawers book is the single best book I've read in 10 years on real estate. Um, I think it'll be reading in the newer real estate classes at the graduate schools. Um, he has thought through every asset class and how technology is changing it. Hmm. Um, I also like that he has a has a millennial take. So there's a lot lot of optimism about things that uh, that I find encouraging, and why I like being closer to millennials than I do boomers. Um, but I I think the challenges that we're going to face, um, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of have and have not, and so um, oh, yeah. I, I I think the multi generational owner is in a unless they are really focused on they're being left behind very quickly. Um, And then I think there's going to be an authenticity that we can bring. I I don't, as much respect I have for Blackstone and Brookfield, they are so big, they are so big. How authentic can they be in these experiences? You know, and I think they recognize that that once they're trying to do a lot of VC investments. But I think the challenge we're going to continually face is how do we connect people to the real estate they're in every day? How do we make their life easier? And and I just see, I said this to Drawer the other day, I said, I see the office and the multifamily reflecting the hotel. That the services that you get in a hotel, people are going to look at office and multifamily with those same kind of brands. It's so like you go to Hilton, there's 20 brands, mm-hmm. right? And But each brand has a meaning to an individual. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be office. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be multifamily. Interesting. Um, but, but I also think the market is so big in real estate that even the biggest brands have very small market share, oh. so <laughs> there's a lot of opportunity. You
0: know? Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's so true, and and you're you're not you're not wrong. And this is why I think that uh, I I try to convince all my friends. I'm like, guys, look, I know there's all these other things, but it's the world's largest asset class. Like, imagine being in the early stages of the tech that's going to reshape that. I mean, that's just, to me, I'm, not, I'm like every day losing, I literally lose sleep over this. And maybe because I'm just a nerd or something, I don't really get it. But, <laughs> you know, I, I see it as the greatest opportunity that I could possibly be a part of uh, outside of maybe like reshaping e-com or being a part of the internet early stages. So, um, well, I want to shift here because, I mean, we, we've gone through so much. And uh, oh, one last thing before we get to the bottom of the show segments I want to jump into, I want to talk about the amount of funding that comes into the space. I always make mm-hmm. a point to get into this because... Um, you know, there's a handful of different narratives, and I think right now, and I'm dating this episode, but that's okay. Um, you know, right now, there's a lot of talk about are we in a bubble, and they want to relate it back to WeWork, and then you know they were they're always pointing out some of the IPOs that didn't go the way people wanted. They're looking at Uber, Lyft, or things like that. So, um, first off, uh, why is there so much a focus on pumping money into real estate, tech? right now from your perspective? And where do you see it going from today into the next few years uh, as far as like how much gets invested and where that money gets invested? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think the reason there's so much money uh, being pumped into PropTech and to to real estate as well uh, in general is because we have negative interest rates in Europe. We have negative interest rates in Asia. Uh, People are starving for return. So people are hoping that they can get their 15 or their 20 out of a VC investment, get their two or three X. They're hoping in real estate, they can do the same thing. So we just have a lot of uh, pent up capital out there, which is driving uh, higher asset values. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And trees don't grow to the sky. We are going to have, um, we are going to have a recession of sorts. It just, I'm starting to hear things now that reminded me of 2007 or reminded me of, of, of night of 2001. So, we, we we are going to have some, and I think the problem is that the great recession was so horrific and, and, and it was such a devastating blow to real estate um, yep. that people think recession, they think that kind of recession. Yep. You know, I lived through the early nineties painful. I remember my dad in 1992 giving speeches saying stay alive till 95. So, you know, we've, we've been through these things before and we will, we will again, that's going to happen. So that's one thing I would say. And I, and I do think that, um, that, um, but you're going to see some corrections. I actually took the Uber and the Slack and, um, those IPOs and also we work not happening. And then there's another one that didn't happen, which was the Endeavor, the, uh, uh the, the talent agency didn't happen. I think that was a sign of some restraint out there in the marketplace that people are like, you know, this whole idea that I'm going to pay on a 20 multiple and one day you're going to make money. No, no. People are like, I want to see people make money. which quite frankly, made me feel good because I was feeling in January and March, I've been pretty public. I didn't think WeWork was going to work because I, I, it was just an arbitrage. you know. We get rents here, resell them here. I just, I'd seen that before. But about March, I was feeling dumb. <laughs> like, what am I missing here? And so I'm not saying there was a lot of people in real estate who had the same view. So I'm certainly not clairvoyant about it or anything. But I just, there's some fundamentals and real estate's a supply and demand business. It is, always will be. And I think that's the biggest risk we have is that we're going to have too much supply, Mm. uh, not enough demand and things are going to drop and it's going to happen in the VC world. I mean, I I will tell you what I'm seeing right now in the prop tech is too much duplication. There are too Mm. many companies getting funded with too much money trying to do the exact same thing. There's going to be consolidation.
0: That's what it leads to. Consolidation.
1: Or Or just gobbling people up and maybe... People just lose their investment because somebody was just better, you um, know. And, sure. and I also see we are right at the right head-on in the beta VHS battleground in prop tech. There are just certain industry standards that people are going to have to pick. It's going to have to be one or the other, mm-hmm. and, and just like the world couldn't live with both beta and VHS on video cassettes, there are just certain standards, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I think I I personally think one of the major issues is going to be how much privacy we give up. Um, I think the world we already give it all up and people don't even recognize it, but those people fighting to keep the privacy, like in an office building on your data, I think they're going to lose. Um, and there are people with products that are trying to promote them as we protect people's privacy. I just think retailers, the demand for advertising, uh, maybe I just believe in Tom Cruise and minority report, <laughs> but I think that's where we're heading in a world where a hundred-year-old is advertising. I think the AR space, the VR space, I think privacy loses in those.
0: Mm, uh, interesting. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that viewpoint. Um, and with that, since you're given some uh, <laughs> uh, some predictions on the future, we're going to move into the part I call for the future. Uh, this is where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Chris, are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. So question number one, what does rising RP look like one year from now?
1: I think we will have completed our fundraising uh, on our the first value. I, I haven't even gotten into what our fund is, but it's an impact-focused fund. We're partnered with Howard W. Buffett, who's providing the impact rate of return metric that nobody else will have. So I think we'll be investing that money. Uh, we've, we've signed a term sheet with a lead investor. I think it's totally unique, the KKRs and the T, uh, TPGs rise fund. None of them have the metric uh, reporting that we have. So I think we'll be out investing that money. We'll, we'll have
0: our, our close at the end of next year. Our final wow. close. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole separate episode. We gotta wait until yeah. all that. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That sounds exciting. So, I mean, you, you talked about a little bit about the future of the housing market. So question number two, what's the future of the housing market look like one year from now?
1: Yeah, I think uh, in, in states and counties where people want to live, uh, so, I mean, it's not just certain ones in California or Seattle or, uh, some of the, but in places people want to live, I still think you're going to have an un- unbelievable demand. And I still think you're going to see, uh, housing prices go up and places, places where people that aren't in demand, you're going to see this big drop. Uh, yeah. And I just think it's a, the millennials are choosing, uh, cities that they want to live in. It's all across the country, but they're definitely not rural. They're definitely not rural. And they're, really not if you don't have some major amenities i mean if you can't get an uber or if you can't get your grub hub millennials and gen z's don't want to live there
0: yeah that (laughs) largely is the truth i will have to say though however i've been looking i've been eyeing this property that's out uh, up here in washington it's an acre and a half with like seven different outbuildings and a giant barn it's 45 minutes from all the conveniences but i'm not I'm not like 50 years old yet, man. I don't want to be all the way out there.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I don't want to be out there. <laughs> I, I, don't I want, want that one day. day,
0: but not yet. So I I'm right. I'm I'm eyeing it up of like right. that's my prize, but many years from now. Um, question number three. What's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away?
1: One industry trend I think will continue, but I don't like it that much. Uh Hopefully, it's having to tell people where we are in the cycle. <laughs> this trend of everybody trying to guess where we are—you can't guess. Mm-mm. It's going to happen. You got to be ready for it, and that's why I tell everybody: it's just I can. I live through all of these, and at the time we were going through these downturns, nobody knew it until it was too late. So don't get overlevered. Um, you know, make sure you're doing things for a long-term point of view. Whether it's doing a tech, doing a VC, if you if you're a founder you got to you got to have a runway and you got to look for that and so yeah. the, i guess the trend is that people stop thinking that the world has changed it hasn't changed in that regard it's changed in other regards but it hasn't changed in that regard so i, I wish that would just go away and yeah. we could you know 2020 has a lot of who knows impeachment election Nobody knows. Nobody knows.
0: Nobody knows. <laughs> See, this is, this is my ploy. See, I get people like you on the show and then I get, you know, you, you're getting all kinds of data inputs I'm not getting. So I, I, I get all the predictions. That's just where I'm at here. I just want to know. Everyone else tell me. Uh, all right. Question number four here for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances?
1: Uh, what I think will go away are the fobs and the key cards. Oh, okay. It's all going to go. Whether I mean, I just stayed at a Hyatt, didn't even have to check in line, didn't have to get a key card, all on my phone. I think that's going away at all. Oh, okay. Your your
0: Apple Wallet.
1: wallet? Yeah, it came to my Apple Wallet and did there. So the key fobs that we've had to have, or the or the cards to scan into the elevators, I think those are going away, and they're going away very quickly.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a small thing to think about because it's just an extra card, but it changes everything because it's sensors. It's a frictionless environment from the moment you walk in the door.
1: Well, going back to the privacy, people don't realize to get that cloud. you have basically said to the landlord, you can track me anywhere because they all have sensing devices on it. And There's they know exactly articles. when you're in there.
0: There's yeah. some articles I just seen come out about that, that uh, people didn't yeah. realize that every time they were getting into their apartment building, it was a exactly. but. Exactly. Uh, if you want the security, I suppose, that, that comes with that or could come with that.
1: Convenience. I mean, I think the, when it's all said and done, it's a matter of convenience. If I don't have to pull out, a, a, I don't have to carry a physical key, yeah. I don't have to carry a fob. It's on my watch. It's on my phone. It'll be on my contact that we're going to get in a few years. <laughs>
0: <You know. laughs> yeah. Very cool. We're going to move into the last three here. Uh, and these are questions more about you. So our listeners get to better get to know you. Uh, first one is, what are you reading?
1: Well, I just finished Drawer's book, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm a big science fiction geek. So uh, there's a series called Silver Ships that I love. And now I'm into the, the Lost Starship series. So I love that. I'm also reading um, uh, 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 Ryan Holiday's book on stoicism. I'm a okay. big believer in stoicism. Um, I, I'm a huge Kindle or iPhone. I read my iPhone Kindle. Um, but I like to have two or three books going on at the same time. Mixed yep. kind of self-help. Uh, biographies, uh, nonfiction, and fiction, and yep. and I, I'm a huge Audible guy. I listen to everything I can listen. I always my book purchases are like the old hard cover now <laughs> because I always buy the Kindle and the Audible. So
0: yeah, see, I get the I do the well. I used to do Audible. We switched over to uh, my wife and I switched over to Scribd because it's ten bucks unlimited. Now you don't get uh, all the new releases, but I'm like if you're fantastic. if you're doing three four books a month, I was like, what's well, that's easy savings right there, but. Uh, I end up buying a lot of the paperbacks if it's good enough on, uh, audio. Cause I want it then as a resource, I'll go back to it later on. So yeah, yeah very cool. I'm a
1: big user of, of Kindle notes though and highlights and then just be neat. I save them as PDF, but they're always there. They stay with the books. So anytime you want to do re- have your research out. So I'm a big believer in that.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I wish I did that. It would make moving a lot easier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> question number two, who are you learning from?
1: Boy, I, I a lot from millennials and Gen Zers and, and my, I learn from my kids. I learn from, um, I, I, I just learn a lot from people by trying to stay engaged and, and taking the attitude. I don't know things as well as I think they know. I mean, my whole, I guess our whole life is a test once you get out of college every day, but I also realize I can fail some days. So, you know, I just, I just try to learn from everything I get. I'm big into reading, uh, uh, news feeds, so I try to get a lot in there, a lot of different points of view. Um, if I was going to say within real estate, I mean, I, I go back to drawers book was big, but also the guys from Fifth uh, Fifth Wall Ventures. Oh, yeah. And they produce some amazing product uh, or, or content. Um, Camber Creek. So, I, my view is, I've got my little window into the world that I'm in, and I should know that very well, but I got to have be totally open to everything else because it's changing too quick. There's not going to be one person who knows it all.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Last one here uh, of the last three. Uh, what inspires you?
1: Well, I mean, I think my my wife and my children inspire me. I really do. And I, that's kind of a cliche because when I was younger, I didn't, I would say that I didn't really mean it. But today, I, you know, I really mean it. I think my father and his legacy inspires me. I think really just trying to, to matter and, you know, just try, trying to, to have an impact on people and be a mentor now at the age where my mentors are, are passing on. And I think about how important it was that they spent the time with me. So I'm trying to do that with, with younger people as well and being available. I think the one thing about technology that is just awful is it can become so consuming and so consuming just selfishly. Yeah. So Trying to be more available for, for my, when I'm home, I try not to be on my phone <clears throat> as much, but it's a losing battle sometimes, but I, but <laughs> trying to be more available
0: i i really i i really appreciate that uh that bit because it is tough sometimes and uh i've been trying to do that while while out here in the northwest i went, went and got lost in the woods yesterday and it felt good i love tech and it's good for our lives i feel like it makes things so much better uh and easier you know day-to-day but there's also being available that's i think that's very aspirational and, and uh, admirable so um Chris, this has been awesome. I appreciate everything you had to share. I think you gave us a, a very unique perspective that we don't typically get on the show. We're usually from the vendor side in. Uh, and here, you're you know you're using the tech, you're buying the tech, you've invested in the tech, you see the future of it, where it's going, and how it all relates into building a successful real estate business. Whether you just started from ground zero or had a little bit of a runway, uh, you see it as the advantage moving forward regardless. And I think that that's a a valuable perspective. I think a lot of our listeners will gain some value with, but before we we head out and close out here, now for those who want to either get connected with you, learn about more about rising or, or, and the other products and services you're working on, where do they go and how do they do that?
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. So I, my Twitter handle is at Chris rising. So the C H uh, R I S R I S I N G. I also do a podcast. It's called uh, the real market with Chris rising. You can find that on Apple podcasts or any of the other podcasts platforms. And then I do a blog that I, I, I really am all about, uh, trying to communicate both with my investors and my audience. So I do the podcast and the blog, uh, every two weeks, there should be some new content and I do my best to solely right. I do have help with some of my team members who are doing the same things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So we get some, some, some of their input as well. Um, and then our, our website is risingrp.com. Uh, yeah. so pretty available.
0: And I want to just give a plug for your podcast, too, because I wasn't going to let you get off here without plugging your podcast. <laughs> you know for for those if you listen to my show immediately, if you're not already subscribed to Chris's podcast, you need to go do that because the quality of guests and the level of interviews that are on that show are truly second to none. I mean, CEO, founder of craxy lease Pilot you know, Brendan Wallace from Fifth Wall, uh, co-founder of Cuvine, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, there's just amazing, uh, amount of talent there. So, uh, you should go listen to his podcast. If, do, if you do nothing else, follow the show. Um, Chris, appreciate everything appreciate you to share with us. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, you know, keep me posted. I love to hear when, when you're, yes. when you start, uh, deploying that fund that you're pulling together, you know, Keep me, feel free to keep me in the loop. I'd love to hear about the success of that moving forward. Um, and until next time, when uh, I'm traveling back to the Northwest and you're in a in your car finishing <laughs> up Christmas shopping, <laughs> let, let, let's stay in touch. But uh, appreciate all your time. Thanks so much. I, I appreciate it. And a uh,
1: happy second day of Hanukkah to everybody and a Merry Christmas to those as well.
0: Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget you can get on the email list you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T. E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list, uh, go to the app store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us, leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.